Welcome to Salem Heights Church this Sunday. We are so thankful that you are including us in your Sunday plans and especially on this Mother's Day. I'm Julie Bernard and I'm the Women's Ministry Director here at Salem Heights Church. And on behalf of the Women's Ministry team and myself, I wanna to say to you moms, Happy Mother's Day. We love you, we appreciate you, and we are praying for you. And we know that God is using you in the lives of your children, whether they be newborn or grown and have children of their own. We are so thankful for you. And you know what? Every little thing that you do matters. And we just wanna say, Happy Mother's Day carried my rocks in your pocket flowers and feathers and butterfly wings you had an answer for all of my questions you showed me wonderful things I Well, good morning, Salem Heights Church and guests. We do welcome you here. We're going to worship at this time, so we're going to invite you to bring your family in uh, to the living room, and, and we'll sing together. Encourage the people around you now as we, as we sing. Brendan's going to lead us this morning. We'll have a few other team members joining us as well. So let's worship together. Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me
good and we are so thankful that you know all things and that you want what is best for us and we're so thankful for that many times we don't know what's best for us but you do and we trust you with that god i would pray that you would help us uh, to love you more than anything in this life more than anything in this world that's what your son demanded of his disciples when they walked this earth God, so I pray that you'd find us there. We're so thankful to be saved. We're so thankful uh, that you love us and care about us. We pray that uh, for this Mother's Day for the moms um, that are there in their homes, I pray that they would know that they're special and that they are loved as well. We're so thankful now that we get to hear from your word. In Christ's precious name, amen. Well, good morning, church. It is great to be with you again uh, this Sunday for week two of our series, Who Do You Think You Are?, and I want to invite you now, if you have your Bibles, to grab them and find Romans chapter 8. That's where we're going to be focusing our time this morning. But uh, Pastor Justin, as people uh, find their way to Romans chapter 8, I know we had a couple of things we wanted to update the church on. Yeah, the first was that we've been receiving pictures of folks. So uh, two weeks ago, we asked them to send in pictures of them planting a seed, uh, having that grow, beginning to talk about the process uh, not just of that seed, but in their own life, yeah. and then send us a picture. They've been sending those pictures in. And we actually have a place, you, you can go on the website right now and see some of those uh, pictures that have come in, families that have begun to plant them, some seeds that have begun to grow. Yeah. But it's not just our kids that have been sending these <laughs> in. Some of our adults, our senior saints and others have been sending in pictures too. And so just join the crew, send in those pictures of things you've planted. It's springtime. Uh, and we're praying that just as we fill up the website with those pictures, that we also have stories about 
what God has been growing in us. Yeah, those have been encouraging to see. And yeah. um, just for all the, the kids who are watching, uh, we will have that prize. We will make sure they get that prize. They yes. don't need to worry. Uh, but we're really excited that they're sharing those with us. Um, how can they continue to send those pictures in if they want to start this week? Yeah, just send them in to uh, my email has been one that uh, most of them have come to or info at SalemHeightsChurch.org, Justin G at SalemHeightsChurch.org. Uh, you can send those in to, to those places and uh, we'll get them. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, this morning we are in week two, like I said, of our new series, Who Do You Think You Are? And I'm really excited this morning um, to kind of look at this first theological truth that uh, we really are hoping um, gets beyond just an intellectual knowledge and into our hearts. And last week, uh, kind of maybe to refresh our memory of what we talked about last week, why is it important that these truths get from our head to our heart? Yeah, and I think um, the other thing that uh, we want to highlight, we're, we're talking about adoption today. We're talking about what it means to be family, but it's also Mother's Day. Mm. So for all the moms there, I hope that you've had a wonderful morning, that uh, you're sitting here right now with your family covered in the syrup that you had to uh, <laughs> you know, eat in order to um, have breakfast in bed and be well treated. So I, I pray that you're content, but we are talking about family and Part of this series was to move that idea from the head to the heart. And it's not just that we want to take it from intellectual truths, which that's where we tend to put all of theology. We tend to just study it and put it in little boxes and then set it aside and we go on living our life as if it doesn't matter. We want to move it from some theological truths that are out here into our heart. And by that, we don't mean just emotions. But scripturally speaking, your heart is the center of the mind, emotion, and will. So I know these truths, they do actually cause some kind of emotional response, but they also are truths that I drink in and they begin to change the direction of my life. I begin to act differently because I've owned them. I walk in them. So that's what our goal with this series is, is while we have time to be at home, we just want to stop and think about what are some things that got a little dusty and how can I get those into my life in a way that, that I begin to live out what God says about me, that I believe it, that I trust it, rest in it, and it changes how I act. I, I believe that this series and these truths that we're going to look at have the ability to encourage us. They have the ability to maybe uh, move us, stir us to emotion, Yeah, because they are precious truths, and, and we really are excited for today. Our first one is this concept of adoption and being a child of God. Yeah. And so let me read our, our text for this morning, Romans chapter 8, uh, starting in verse 14. It says this For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Mm. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. That is a profound passage. Um, when, uh, when we begin to talk about what it means to be a child of God and we hear stuff like this, it's possible for us just to say, okay, I got to put that over in the, I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. So it's just a theological truth that I can't. Yeah unpack. So we need to unpack a couple of things today. 
Uh, and the first thing that I think we need to see here is that you are no longer an orphan. You have a father. It seems like a simple summary statement, but it really is significant. And uh, in the course of us studying this together, there was actually a statement made by J.I. Packer where he says, this is one of the critical truths. Would you read what you found from yeah. him and uh, and and what book was that out of this yeah he wrote a, one of his books was uh, knowing god and i uh in chapter 19 he has a whole chapter uh, called sons of god and, he, and it starts with this it says what is a christian the question can be answered in many ways but the richest answer i know is that a christian is one who has god as his father yeah. now he goes on to say this and this was a pretty strong statement but he says this, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. Our understanding of Christianity cannot be better than our grasp of adoption. Now, just... Pause right there yeah. for a moment. And, and uh, when you think about um, one of the things that's really impacted me is our Monday night, most excellent way some of these guys will begin to read scripture, see what it says, and start sharing things. Yeah. But all around our church, this refrain gets brought up from folks who felt like they had nothing and that they were outsiders and there was nothing that was theirs. They will say stuff like, I'm a prince or princess of heaven. I mean, right. it's a refrain now that's right. just almost comical. We hear it everywhere. I'm a prince or princess of heaven. I'm a child of God. I'm no longer forsaken. And they're beaming as a result of knowing these truths. It really is something that transforms the way that they experience uh, truth. Right, because yeah. it's not, and this is one of the things that Packer un unpacks yeah. in this book, is that it's not just that God justifies us, meaning we had this penalty, we had this, um, this offense we had caused, and him as a righteous judge just sees the blood of Christ, applies it to our debt, and says, okay, forgiven, in this kind of impersonal way that you might have if you were a criminal before a judge. Yeah. What Packer is saying that actually what is greater and what you really need to understand is that this is not just a judge forgiving a debt, this is a father claiming you as his own. Yeah. He goes on to write, to be right with God, the judge, is a great thing. But to be loved and cared for by God, the Father, is a greater. We do not fully feel the wonder of the passage of death to life, which takes place in the new birth, till we see it as a transition, not simply out of condemnation into acceptance, but out of bondage and destitution into the safety, certainty, and enjoyment of the family of God. That's a... Shocking, and, and probably we're going to have to have that on the screen, and people maybe are going to have to freeze it or find a way to get to that quote to just to unpack it. Yeah, that is a full statement. We were talking a little bit about um, real life situations. We were talking even about some guys who have taught on this, and you yeah. said, "Well, yeah, it's it's one thing for you to try to get a hold of John Piper. He's just not going to return your calls right now, <laughs> right, right? Right? Yeah, but if uh, his son calls, he gets right through." Totally. I want access to this one that is a significant teacher. It's that same idea that, yeah, you can have a judge that sets you free, but he's not going to deal with you day to day after that. He, he's taking care of your you know, judicial needs. But this is actually a son now. 
Right. I see you differently. Have you had anybody that's had that kind of experience? Yeah, I have. Um, one of the things that I've had the privilege of, of being a part of is a couple of mission trips overseas uh, to the country of Latvia. And I uh, had the opportunity to meet some, some dear brothers and sisters in the Lord. And one of them is a, a man who's become a friend of mine named Ingus. And Ingus and his wife invited us to stay in their little flat there when we were in country. And so we got to spend time just hearing each other's stories. And what was incredible is that Ingus actually was an orphan in Latvia during the Soviet times. He's raised through their system, goes to university, gets a job, um, again, not having a family. Wow. He gets this job and he gets an opportunity to go to a camp specifically designed to orphans. And so he's like, I, I want to go help orphans because I'm an orphan. And he, and he meets his future wife there, hears about Jesus and gets saved. So when I get to meet him, he's only been a Christian for a couple of years. And yet there is a profound depth to his knowledge of the scriptures, a profound depth to his love for God. It is I, and I don't say this lightly, it is obvious that he is walking close to God. And I just had to say, Ingus, like, I, I got to tell you, I've been a Christian for over 30 years. Yeah. And yet I'm just so touched by your depth of like how much you love Jesus. Like, how has it been that you've learned so much about God in such a short amount of time? And he said, well, my whole life I, I didn't have a father. And then I found out that I have a father who loves me. And so there's nothing else that I want to do besides to get to know this father that I haven't known my whole life. I have a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. And it just struck me that as a Christian, for a long time raised in a Christian home here yeah. in America, it'd be easy for me to kind of hear this idea that I've been adopted by God and I'm his child and kind of go, yeah, that's nice. Mm -hmm. But that's one of those thoughts that can kind of get dusty for me. And I just... God used Ingus's story to kind of help me go, man, that's what I want to have today. I, I want to see my adoption against the backdrop of my unworthiness to be in God's family and that he invites me in. And I just think of the verse in 1 John 3 where John says, Behold, see this kind of love that God has that he would call you his child of God. Yeah. I, I think it's profound. And I think the other thing, when I was trying to think through why has it become dusty, I hear a lot of guys, even in ministry, say, well, there's a lot of bad fathers, so we don't want to bring up fatherhood, and it's, you know, fatherhood's fallen on hard times. Well, I don't know that there's ever been, like our whole story in scripture is we had a bad father, right? right. <laughs> so one guy said that we're all uh, the, the product of a failed farmer and a drunken sailor with Noah and Adam in our history. <laughs> so right. we're all uh, a mess, It's but we have set it aside because we're afraid we might offend people who don't have a good story about their their dad but actually scripture's here to rewrite all of that understanding and this is a, such a significant thing he is there to show us what it means to be a father you can't unpack that as a dad or as a believer unless you um unless you understand that you've been adopted you're part of this and you see him rightly yeah. and so for all of us we are no longer orphans yeah. meaning we're no longer left on our own to meet our needs, to try to protect ourselves, to try to have strength and, and security. Now we have someone who said, I want you because I want you, because I love you and yeah. I've, I'm placing you into my family. So that's an amazing first truth that yeah. it kind of really jumped out to me, but I know we had a couple more. Yeah, yeah, we've kind of labored that first one yeah. here, but there is another one that we were focusing on out of that. It, uh, we are no longer rudderless, but the Father takes our hand. 
And in addition to Romans, uh, we also were looking at Galatians, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Paul writes this, When the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then God has made you an heir. That is um, a picture that I think we need to pause. There's actually, he says, instead of it just being, like we're saying, a theological truth, there's actually something that fills you up. And the idea is that you're impelled from within to understand these mm. things. There's a craving in you. If you're a believer and you're not feeling fulfilled in that walk, there is an ache in you that says, how can I better know the scriptures? How can I better respond to the spirit? There's something in me that cries out, Father, help me do this. Yeah. But also um, in our prayers, he guides us. So Romans 8, back to Romans 8, uh, verse 26, uh, he guides the way we even interact with that inner urging. Yeah. He says this, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. There is a, uh, a picture here of a person that in life doesn't know which direction that they are headed. Uh, they aren't connected to anything of significance. And all of a sudden, uh, it says that the Spirit of God doesn't put you into an impersonal relationship, but begins to fill your heart and draw you into the family. You right. cry out, Abba, Father, but now I don't know what direction to go. So the Father actually sends the Spirit of God. He takes your babbling, you know, small child speak, and changes it, says, I know what you need. I know what you want. I don't know if you've ever talked to... Uh, uh, you know, two little kids where one's just learning to speak and the other one is their translator. Right. Oh, they want the candy or they want the Cheerios or whatever. He actually speaks for us to the Father and says, oh no, this is what they're craving and this is actually what they need and make sure that it happens. Yeah. One of the, the pictures that came into my mind when I was seeing that is I, I just imagined a, a, a kid that wanders into a zoo for the first time but loses the parent and is looking around and all that this child sees, you know, as I'm, I'm unpacking this in my mind, is just a sea of knees and shoes. <laughs> and it, they're crying, they're overwhelmed, they're, re they're saying, I, I don't know where I'm going. All I wanted was, you know, a treat. I just want to have an experience. What, I'm af afraid, crying out, crying out. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that crowd, a hand reaches down, grabs their hand. I'm here, child, and it's the father. And yes, get some little ice cream to help soothe the wounds. Here's that that's what they think they want. But then the kid says, well, I'm here to see the stripey thing, right? And the father knows, I can translate what you're actually saying is you want to see the zebras? I'll tell you what, I'll not only take you there, but I'll show you all of the other exhibits. I got a plan for the day that you're going to love. And he puts him on his shoulders so he can see, no longer looking at kneecaps. And from that vantage point, takes him everywhere that he needs to go in order to experience fulfillment. The Father does that. Um, this is a picture that we see in scriptures. We're just lost, overwhelmed, unable to see any fruit from our life until the Father reaches. And we babble what we think we need. He says, hey, I'll help you fulfill those desires if they're righteous. But let me show you what I actually have for you. And he pulls you into an existence you didn't even know right. was there. 
And so he does this, and we, we learn that at the moment of salvation, and we now have a father who has said, you're mine, and I'm going to show you the way. Yeah. But as we go through our Christian life, I know there are times though where we go through seasons of hardship. Yeah. And it seems like maybe that that God maybe has let go of our hand. Or we've got we've gotten separated again. But uh, I know you had another story that kind yeah. of uh, illustrates the fact that God actually can He's biased during the hard times as much as He is during the times of wealth and prosperity. Yeah, that's super important because it's not all ice cream and zebras, right? right? Yeah, right. It, there are times where it feels like the Lord is distant. In fact, some folks might even be in the middle of that right now. Um, but there is a, an amazing story about uh, uh, Edward the Third and his son Edward, who was supposed to be Edward the Fourth, the next king. He ended up dying the same year as his father later on, but uh, he was known as the Black Prince, mm. uh, Edward IV, uh, was known as the Black Prince, and he actually had become a knight at the age of 16 because he was a valiant warrior and went into battle at the Battle of Crecy, and there's actually this moment where uh, all of these French forces are there, and they are outnumbered more than two to one. Mm. French were, were outnumbering them, the battle was going hard. But the battle plan was good. And so from a windmill up above the battlefront is King Edward watching everything that's going on. And his son is there learning the process of what it means to be uh, a leader. Right. And the battle goes hard and a messenger comes running saying, will you send your men to help Edward? Will you help the black prince? And he says, I I'm not such a bad king that I don't know what it takes to win. And I'm not such a bad father that my heart doesn't break for him. But has he been unhorsed? No. Has he fallen? Hmm. No. Is he about to lose his life? No. Then he says, let him remain for today he'll win his spurs. Hmm. And at the end of that battle, Ed, uh, Edward does end up winning. Uh, he becomes known as the Black Prince. In fact, he takes a moniker on that day after this battle had gone so hard. He actually has a, a refrain that would be known as the Prince of Wales refrain after that where he says, I serve. I'm just here to serve. And the battle went hard, but he won that day. And everybody that was on the battlefield knew that it was Edward, the Black Prince's victory. If his dad had swooped in, he wouldn't have had courage or confidence that he could win. He would never lose. The Black Prince would never lose a battle in his entire life. He went on in the strength of that victory because he'd been left alone and the father knew what to do. I think we can know this, whether we've experienced that from a parent or someone else that's been influential in our life, that love is not only shown in rescue. Yeah. Love is oftentimes letting someone go through something that's for their good and walking alongside them to continue to point them to the purpose. Yeah. And God does that throughout the scriptures. He tells us, if this happens to you, don't fret, don't worry. This is what it will produce in you. Yeah. And I, and I know we've spent some time talking about that as a church, what what hardship can produce in the life of a believer and how it actually is loving of the Father to allow that to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's So important. we have this amazing truth that we're no longer orphans, but we have a Father, that we're no longer rudderless, but we have a Father that takes us by the hand. Uh, and there's one more point that we wanted to share this morning. Yeah, the, the final one is that we're no longer destitute but we have an inheritance um, or, or a blessed hope. We have a future that makes a difference today. And, and we see that again in Romans chapter 8. It, it says here in verse 17, And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ, 
if indeed we suffer with him so that we may be glorified yeah. with him. I'm, I'm, thought, I'm thoughtful of this because in America, uh, we have, compared to the rest of the world, even during this coronavirus season, we still have uh, prosperity and wealth and affluence that yeah. is much greater than many parts of the world. And so this idea of being destitute, not having anything, even in, in hard times, uh, there are ways to get food, there are places to stay and those types of things. But I think there is something that we need to understand that goes beyond the physical idea of having nothing and then God gives us something and understanding it more from a physical and and taking a look from the other side, which is understanding this spiritually. I know yeah. you had a couple of observations on that. Yeah, well, and one of the key ideas with adoption even in that Roman society was that when you were adopted, all of the former debts were erased and all of the bank account of your father was now yours. And it was a more sure thing. When, when Paul used that picture of adoption, he would go through and say, you are no longer this son, you are this, this one, the child of the king. You are no longer a child of the one who had given you debts. We, we can't understand what it means to walk in an inheritance. We think of an inheritance and we think, well, someday everyone else is going to die and I'm going to get a big chunk of change. That's a very uh, a current way of thinking. We don't think about the inheritance being a, a whole package of walking with the family. But uh, there was actually a, a short while ago a movie that came out that said it was called Live 58, where a group of people were trying to live out Isaiah 58. What would it be like to take care of the needs of orphans and widows and meet these needs in the name of of God, if we were to actually do this on behalf of Christ. Yeah. And they go into these pits and they find uh, in India a group of people um, where a father, because a mother was sick, had to get medicine. And that small loan, he didn't have the money for it, that he took out, indentured him to a rock quarry owner. And then they had other sicknesses, other bills, but because he was indentured there, he couldn't work someplace else. So he's making a pittance. He couldn't pay off the loan and had to take on more debt. So his wife eventually was indentured and then his kids are owned and now it's generationally. Yeah. They're stuck in these pits for the foreseeable future. So the inheritance that, he, that these kids get from their dad, a loving guy who wants more for them, but the inheritance that they have in the future is his debt but they're actually walking in that inheritance right now. And we have a clip from that of what their experience is and what their hopes are uh, that, that will help us meditate on that this morning. With no money or education, many people who move to the cities from places like the jungle in India resort to borrowing money in order to survive. In doing this, they often end up in quarries, brick factories or sweatshops, trapped into bonded labor systems. The quarry worker comes to the quarry and he takes a big loan from the quarry owner. What he's paid is a meager amount. It is just 30 to 40 cents per day. 
and that will be a very difficult for him to clear the loan. Initially, they don't realize that that is a trap. So will, will he ever be able to live without being in debt? Bonded labor is one of the most shocking outcomes of poverty. It enslaves people like Sanjeev and Shivama and their families. Their total debt amounts to only about $600, but they will never be able to pay it back. It'll be passed on to their children and their children's children. There's simply no escape. you can ask God for anything. What would you ask for? So here, it, it kind of a heavy thought, yeah. but imagine being in a, an indentured situation where, where your entire hopes and dreams have been handed to you and there's nothing good that you can hope for, where you're actually saying, I can't have dreams, I can't do that. Um, in order for us to be able to move on this morning, it's Mother's Day, we just had a hard, you know, a, yeah. a hard hitting <laughs> video. Here's the cool part about that uh, Live 58. There's a whole group of people that ended up going in and they would find these quarry workers and they would find out how much they owed and it would be small sums, as big as $800, but their entire lives and the lives of their families are, are $800. Yeah. And they would go in and they paid these. So somebody from the outside 
that they never knew, they couldn't hope to know, they didn't know their story had gotten out. People came in and began to pay those debts and set them free. Yeah. It, it's shocking. And th then all of a sudden their entire life is different and now they're saying it's not just an inheritance, but they gave them money to be able to live so they wouldn't have to go back to that same person now to get money in order to get a home or they set them up to be able to have a different life and their entire inheritance, their hope is completely different. Dreams get set free because they're no longer just banging on rocks and living that way. So they, they came in and lived out what the gospel does spiritually for us. Yeah. We had no hope. And while we were helpless, it says in Romans 5, while we were helpless, while we were kicking and screaming against God, while we were even his enemy, he reaches down and calls us his child. He sets us free. Totally. He, he came and gave us an entirely different hope. It is a radical thought. It is a heavy thought. And I know it is Mother's Day, but yeah. I think it helps us because uh, this day is a day we remember just the, the joy of, of a child and just the love a parent has for the child. Yeah. That is so much more magnified, multiplied, when we yeah. think of God's love for us. Yeah. And his desire to come in and, and rescue us from something that um, this sin nature, this, this desire that we acted upon in rebelling against God, that was handed down to us. We were born in that predicament yeah. and nothing we could do in our own efforts would actually ever free us from that. But God, because of his great love for us, while we were still dead in our sins and trespasses, reached down, grabbed us and picked us up. And now um, we're no longer spiritually destitute. We have an inheritance. But one of the things that I know that you and I talked about was that this inheritance isn't just something that is something that kind of kicks in once we get to heaven. There's yeah. an aspect of it that is, is lived out right now. Maybe you could share on that. Well, that, that's the whole idea is that these, imagine now you're back in that quarry and you know you're inheriting debt, you're inheriting hard work, and it's probably gonna get passed on to your kids too because you'll never be able to do anything other than borrow more and be indentured. Um, and it's been set free. It changes, yeah, what you get in the future, but right now, my entire trajectory of life is completely different. Yeah. So it impacts today. If your walk with Christ is only about pie in the sky by and by, that someday I'll, I'll have joy, then you haven't understood where you stand with the Father. Right. It will impact your freedom right now. And, and I think that that impact will be dramatic. Yeah. It'll change who you are and how you act. Right. And that inheritance is not just provision, it's access, yeah. and this ability to go to the throne of grace, go into his presence, spend time with him. And, and I think that's where we want to kind of wrap up as we kind of look forward now for how we can take these truths yeah. and let them really penetrate our heart. I, I do believe it's important for us to take time this week to just pause and think. Yeah. Think about this passage, these passages, think about these truths. And I know you have a couple of questions to help us as we yeah. think this week. Um, what were those? Well, the first thing I want to just sum it up with is a key thought. Yeah. We're talking about what this means to us, but a key thought is we're talking about a divine parent, right? Yeah. God the Father. And Scripture tells us that He actually wants to adopt more kids. Amen. So this is true for us. But if this impacts you, you need to know he, he, when Christ is getting ready to leave with His, with his many, He says, In my Father's house there are many rooms, many mansions. Hey, there's room for not just you, but a lot more people. Right. You later on would tell them, go with the gospel and make disciples, find more people, draw them in, add to the family. Join me, he yeah. says, in peopling etern eternity. So we have a father that wants more. 
And we would need to be mindful of that. The gospel is simply this, that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again on the third day. And if we would believe, if we would put our faith in him, our, our debt gets paid. We get transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the king, kingdom of the son of his love. We go from rudderless, orphaned, destitute to having a father. Mm. Faith at that one moment. And if you're watching today and you're just joining us, you, you haven't been to church with us or a part of Salem Heights, and, and you want to know about more about how to make that commitment, we would love to talk with you, but the scriptures are very clear. If you have believed in your heart that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day for you, you today are saved. You are part of that family. We can help you unpack what that means, but that is for you. And that's an amazing truth. And yeah. I, that is something that should cause us to be uh, excited and, and drive us to worship and praise God because uh, we have a Father, we have a place. So how, yeah. can we, how can we process this as we go forward this week? Just a couple of questions. The first one we would ask is, which of these truths resonated with you? Just discuss that as a family. Um, which one of these had you put on the shelf or not thought about it? Or maybe, well, it seems a little tough to wrap my mind around, so I haven't, I haven't really incorporated it. Which one of these has moved from the head to the heart today? Yeah. And I know that there's uh, another one that you had for us. Yeah. What would it look like if these truths moved from your head to your heart? In other words, if you're going to walk down the street differently, what's going to change that's proof that it's moved now from the head to the heart? How would knowing that you've been adopted by God, that you are his child, change anything in your life? And I don't think that we will make this transfer until we've thought through what does this look like tomorrow yeah. when I'm walking it out? And then the final thing that I would have us say is, is who needs to hear this. If we do have a father that wants to continue to add to the family, adopt more, who do you need to tell about this amazing truth? And so there are uh, opportunities right in front of us. Sometimes we need to ask the Lord to give us the spiritual eyes to be aware of those opportunities and to share our story, which yeah. we were hopefully uh, some of you were able to take advantage of last week in practice, sharing your story. So true. How you came to faith, sharing your story, how God is continuing to be that father who walks yeah. alongside you. So, And just so everyone yeah. at home knows, yeah. we're doing this too. Yeah. So we're accountable that uh, whatever we're asking people to do, we're, we're listing that out in our own homes and, and walking through these things. Right. But as we try to do this this week, um, we're going to need God's help in order to move from the head to the heart. So would you pray for us as we wrap up here that uh, God would help us make that transfer? Absolutely. Let's yeah. pray. Father God, I just thank you so much for this morning, and I thank you for this truth, God. And I pray right now for everyone that is watching that your Holy Spirit would stir them, that they would be impressed by these truths, impressed by these this reality that we're no longer an orphan, but we have a family and a father who loves us. We're no longer rudderless and left on our own, but now we have someone that will guide us and, and walk alongside us. And God, that we, we really are uh, one that has a future and an inheritance and a hope. We're no longer destitute. God, I just pray for our church. I pray that in these times that this would be a truth that, that does impel us to, to act and to move and that we would share this with somebody this week, God, and that we would spend time even letting it, these thoughts, these truths just 
kind of move from the head into the heart. God, we love you. We thank you so much for adopting us into your family. And we pray that you would help us live as your children this week. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.